to you. We can approach the throne of grace directly and that we can talk directly to you. We don't have to go through any, uh, any priest function or anything like that, that we just can talk directly and intimately uh, to you, our Father in heaven. So we give thanks to you for that, and we pray that as we open your word this morning, that we would uh, and, and enjoy uh, learning about the topic of prayer. We pray that we would be encouraged. We pray that we would be really spurred on to, uh, to understand the necessity and the centrality of, of prayer and our reliance on you in our lives. So we thank you for this time. We pray that you would, yeah, that, that you would open our hearts and open our minds. I pray that you would guard my mouth from error so that I wouldn't lead anyone astray. And it's in Jesus' wonderful and powerful name that we do pray. Amen. So Daniel chapter 9 is where we are at. But first of all, a little, uh, a little story. It's one of those only in America stories. Um, I came across a statistic a, a long time ago, and so the statistic is probably, um, has probably increased by, uh, by now. But apparently eight people per year in the United States die from vending machines. Now, if you're anything like me, your, you, your mind goes to how on earth can you die from a vending machine? My first thought went that maybe you're trying to you know, reach up in there and steal something, and your hand gets stuck, and you starve to death with food sitting right in front of you. Um, but I'm guessing that's probably not going to be the case. Uh, I, my, my pick is that you, push the, you put the money in, and you press the buttons, and, and nothing comes out, right? You've, you've possibly experienced that. And so you, you give it a little shake, right? And it still doesn't come out. So you give it a bit more of a shake, yeah? And nothing comes out. So you give it a really big rock, 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 and then this vending machine, come, I, I don't know. It's just how my, my mind kind of works. And I wonder if that's how you could possibly die from a vending machine. But, but you, you can feel the, you, you, you possibly experienced the agony. If anyone had that experience, not the vending machine falling on you, but the, but the putting the money in, you press the buttons, and, and then the thing whirs, and nothing comes out. Have anyone had that experience? There's a handful there. Has anyone ever felt that way about prayer? Yeah? That you've, that you've prayed, and you've perhaps prayed many, many times, and the thing that you're wanting to come and as a result from prayer has never happened. Have anyone ever you kind of felt that way in life? Yeah? There's a fair, few more hands going up. I think oftentimes we have a, a view on prayer that is a little bit like the vending machine. You know, you stick your prayer in and you expect to get out what you're wanting to get out. Maybe you think of prayer in a different way. Maybe you think of prayer as like the magic dice that you kind of shake up and roll and you maybe you get the right number and so maybe you grab them again and shake them up and roll again and maybe at some point you're going to get the right number and, uh, and, you, and, your, uh, and your prayer will be answered. We've Previously read, just a few minutes ago, we read through most of Daniel chapter 9 or some selected readings out of Daniel chapter 9. So I just want us to have a look at this chapter because I think it's really instructive in the way that we can look at prayer. So here we go. Let's have a, have a quick look through what Daniel has to uh, say about prayer or, or in fact, not, not necessarily say about prayer, but his example in prayer. Firstly, the, I think sometimes that, that many of us, and, and I'll have to put my hand up here, many of us get to the topic of prayer or get to the, get to the practice of prayer and think, you know what, what, what am I to pray about? How am I to pray? Where, did, where should my prayer be driven from? And I think Daniel answers this, the book of Daniel answers this in, 
in chapter 9. Firstly, so let's have a look at the source of prayer. Have a look at the first couple of verses if you've got your Bibles there. Verse 1 gives us a little bit of context uh, in terms of just, uh, just timings, the first year of Darius. And then verse 2, in the first year of his, of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Now that's a really, a really key verse in there. Because if you know where Daniel was at, Daniel had been taken off into captivity with all the, uh, with all of the, with all of the Jews, and so they were in Babylon. They had been ripped out of Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar, and they were off in a foreign land, and they were living in a, in a foreign land. And Daniel reads in Jeremiah, that's Jeremiah 29 verse 10, if you want to go and have a look at that. He was reading the book of Jeremiah, and he realized that Jeremiah 29 verse 10 says that they have to be in Babylon. God, God had, uh, had prophesied it, God had foretold it, that they were going to be in Babylon 70 years. And he looked, at the, he looked at the clock or whatever it was or the scratchings on his wall marking off the years or whatever the, he, he did. And he realized, hey, we've been here nearly, nearly 70 years. I wonder if that was a really good devotional day for, for Daniel when he was reading through the book of Jeremiah. And, uh, and he realized, hey, we've, our time is just about up. And so for the rest of the chapter, Daniel starts to pray. And I think that's a really, firstly, that's a really good, it's a really good instruction for us or example for us. The source of prayer, one, one amazing source of prayer is Scripture. Oftentimes we just sit down to pray and we just start thinking, what on earth should I pray for? Well, you know what? This, the, the Bible is full of wonderful things to be praying about. An, an example might be that you look at the Psalms and then you just see this wonderful Jewish prayer, prayer book and, and open up a Psalm, maybe it's a Psalm that you've been reading recently or just pick one for, for the day and then just read through it and then use it as a basis for your prayers. You think of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You could just stop on that line and think, Father, thank you for being my shepherd. I, I, I often want so much, but man, you give me, you, Lord, you give me everything that I need. Thank you so much for that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Thank you for giving me rest. Lord, I've really actually felt pretty anxious and not resting a whole lot just recently. I pray that I would just rest in you. Can you see the, see the idea there? Scripture in, in itself, I'm just giving you a quick example from the 23rd Psalm. Scripture is a wonderful source of prayer. And, and Daniel went to, Jerem, to the book of Jeremiah and realized, oh my goodness, the nation of Israel here has been in his exile for 70 years. I'm going to start praying. Verse 3, then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. All right, so there's a, there's a real, uh, the source of prayer is scripture. And the source of prayer also, uh, by the looks of Daniel here, is his, their need for forgiveness. Let's have a look at the, the next few verses, if you've got those with you there. From verse 4, I prayed to the Lord and made, and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love uh, with who, those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong, and we have acted wickedly and rebelled, and it just keeps on going on. He just keeps on confessing and confessing for himself, well, not necessarily for himself, but certainly for the, for the nation of Israel, and he, he was included, obviously, in the nation of Israel. You know what? We are daily sinful, are we not? 
We are daily sinful. And there is, a, there is a, a need for us to just continually come to the Lord and confess our, uh, confess our sins. And you might think, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Isn't, didn't Jesus die on the cross once and for all for our sins? Aren't all our sins forgiven? Are they? Yes, they are. Absolutely. So why would we then need to come to the Lord daily and confess our sins? Why might we want to do that? Well, think about it. Uh, think about, uh, I think about oftentimes uh, the, the 20 years ago, the vows I made to Sonia, that, we would, that I would love her unconditionally through sickness and in health and through a number of other things that I should probably remember that were my marriage vows. <laughs> But, they, but there, was a, there was a commitment there that no matter what, I would love her. Yeah? Now, sometimes I don't love her as I should. Yeah? Husbands, wives, you know that we do, we do that. We, we fall short. And so what do we do? Now, there was a promise made that I would, and there was a promise made from the other partner that they would no matter what as well, even if we, we let, let the party down. So, so in one sense, there was a promise already made that, that we're sticking together. It doesn't matter. But in another sense, we've, we wrong one another. And so it's right to go to the other and confess our sins and ask for forgiveness and, 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 and repent and, uh, and do that. So let's have a look at, if you've got your Bible, you can quickly flick over to 1 John chapter 9. Just really, really quickly, uh, just to hammer home the point that, that this, this is a right and good thing to, to be doing. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Sorry, did I say chapter 9 before? Yeah. First yeah. John chapter 1, verse 9. First John, by the way, if you have a look at, at the end of the book, First John chapter 5 is a book written to believers. A book, a book written so that you would have, uh, have assurance that you believe. Okay, so the entire book is written to believers. And then what, what does he say to these believers in First John chapter 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a, there's a need to just con- to be confessing our sins to God, to restore that relationship. When I sin against Sonia, it's not until I confess and I ask for forgiveness and that, re- that relationship is restored. Same thing with, with God. Uh, even as believers, we just need to continually come back to, to God time and time again, confess our sins and restore that relationship that, that we have uh, or that we did have with God and, re- and, and keep that going, knowing that everything is already paid for on the cross. Jesus has paid for it all. All right, so the source of prayer is Scripture, our need for forgiveness. Well, obviously, uh, well, Scripture tells us of our need for forgiveness. Scripture tells us also to do a number of things, bring praise to God in prayer, bring and confess our sins, uh, bring uh, thanksgiving, to ask for things uh, for other people. There's lots of things that we can um, uh, be praying about. So I want to give you something something kind of really super on-the-ground practical, because if you're anything like me, sometimes your, your prayer life can get a little bit difficult, sometimes perhaps a little stale. If, if, it's, if that's not you, fantastic, praise God. I'm, I, I envy you perhaps a, a little bit. Thank you. And so, so I want to just give you something that's, a, that's hopefully just a little bit practical. In some ways, and this is drawn from uh, a book called An Hour That Changes the World. It is uh, by Dick Eastman. An Hour That Changes the World, A Practical Plan for Personal Prayer. Not my idea, it's his, slightly adapted. And so, so uh, the idea that, that Dick Eastman was uh, driving at is that, 
It's a, a, a great uh, target might be to spend an hour in prayer per day. And you might think, wow, an hour in prayer, that's a long, long time. But here's, what, here's, what I, here's the question for you. Do you think perhaps five minutes in prayer would be okay? Do you think you could do five minutes? Because I think, I, I think five minutes in prayer is, is pretty easy. Well, relatively easy. <clears throat> so here's an idea. Spend five minutes in prayer about praise, praising God for who he is. Spend five minutes, set a little timer, whatever it is. And once you've done that, spend five minutes confessing, confessing the things that you've been, that you are aware of, that you've been sinful in your life, against God, against others. Then spend five minutes thanking God for the things that he has done in your life and the ways that he has blessed you. You see what I'm, I'm getting at here? Spend five minutes in petition, asking things for yourself, asking God. It's good to ask God for, about the things that you need. Intercession, five minutes for praying for others. Five minutes praying for our missionaries overseas. Don't you think they would love it if they knew a bunch of people were spending five minutes a day praying for them overseas? Spend five minutes praying for the church. Those that you know of in the church, that you're close to in the church, pray for your elders, pray me, pray through that, uh, that, that prayer list there, the contact list. It's five minutes doing that. Five minutes on evangelism. Five minutes praying for the, those that are around you. Maybe it's at work, your neighbors, whoever, that you've been thinking, I, I, I want to tell the, the, these people about the Lord. I want to share the gospel with them and be intentional about praying for them and opportunities to, pray for, uh, to, to engage with them. Pray for your family for five minutes. Hopefully that's not too hard. Then maybe open your Bible and, and just read a psalm. You know, I've mentioned Psalm 23 before. Read a psalm or somewhere else that you, that you enjoy. And then pray about that scripture for five minutes. Yeah, just use it as a basis for, for, your, for your prayer. And then perhaps, I mean, you can, you can um, change this up a little bit if, if you like, but there's some wonderful old hymns. You just think of one of the hymns that we just sung before and use, that, use the words of an old hymn uh, or a new hymn, if you like, as and spend five minutes just praying through the words of those prayers. If you do that, you've just prayed for an hour. It doesn't mean you've got to carve out an hour. Now, if you think that's still an hour is a whole lot of time, try two and a half minutes in each of those sections. That makes half an hour. Yeah? Half an hour of praying. I've been using this recently, and I've found it just makes a... I'm still pretty new at it, but it's made prayer just really targeted, it makes it really intentional, makes it very, very doable, and, and it makes it, I don't get into a kind of little rut in my praying, you know, because, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes in, in terms of, okay, I've already prayed about that, what am I praying about next? It just gives me a bit of a structure. Now, I was talking about to, to Sonia about all this last night, and it's, it's, it's a side note, isn't it funny in the scriptures how wisdom is always a she? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I, Probably something to that. Anyway, she suggested, hey, I would use that. We should have a, like, you should make it like a little bookmark or something. So we rushed around last night and this morning. There's a bunch of these bookmarks that just go through those 12 items. And they are just outside the door uh, on the table, just, in, uh, just outside the door there. Grab one if, if you want, if that's of any help. Just a, an hour that changes the world, uh, an, an, op- an opportunity to, to pray intentionally. All right, so... <clears throat> The purpose of prayer then. We've had a look at the source of prayer. If the source of prayer is Scripture, and if, we, and if Scripture tells us to pray about a whole lot of different things, and Scripture propels us to pray, whether it's, the, whether it's something we read in the prophets, whether it's something that we read in the Psalms, and that uh, flows out of us in prayer, why do we pray? What's the purpose of prayer? 
Well, uh, there's, again, Daniel gives us a good example here. Have a look at verses 16 to 19. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all those around us. Now, therefore, O Lord, uh, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for his mercy. And what is it? And for your own sake. And then he keeps on going about on about, O, o Lord, hear us. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention. Uh, and do not delay for your own sake. The idea here is that Daniel was, he was, he was concerned about Israel. He was concerned about the, and Jerusalem and his people. But he was also concerned about God's name. He was concerned about God's glory. So why do we pray? Well, it's, it's, we want, we, we should be desiring God's glory. There's something else, though, in, in, uh, in, in this. Uh, Daniel was concerned about what God wanted. And I think that's instructive for us as well. I, th- uh, I think one of the purposes of prayer is to start conforming our will to God's will. Think about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's, uh, how does the Lord's Prayer start off? Anyone? No? Our Father, be your name. And Thy kingdom come, thanks, and your, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The, the Lord's Prayer was just explicitly praying for God's will to be done. Later on, there is petition for give us our daily bread, isn't there? And, and it's the, the practical needs of the, of the, of the day. But, the, but one of the primary purposes in prayer is actually to start changing our hearts so it reflects God's heart. Think about your, if you're parents, think about your kids. When we train them and teach them that if they do something wrong, we don't just teach them to try and just do the, do the right thing, okay? Because we, can, we can, can just teach them just to do the right thing. What we want is for them to desire to do the right thing, yes? Because once we, and, and to follow, follow God's heart and to desire to do the right, right thing, because then when they're outside of our influence, then they will continue to do the right thing. Does that make sense? Same idea, we're try, as we're trying to, con, to, to make our, our child's will conform to our will or conform more ideally to God's will, the same thing is, the, is, is happening in prayer. We want, it, we want our will to be, the, our will to reflect God's will. Think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Take, Lord, if, if it's possible, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will be done, but yours. All right, so, so that's part of the, of the, of the idea of prayer. There is also, I'll just make sure I've got the, yeah, to rely on God's power. It's interesting that, uh, it's interesting that it's, it's, it's commonly across Christendom everywhere. It's understood that, that there is a power in prayer. And I want to take us just on a, on a small little sidetrack here, just into the next chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles, flick over the page, go to Daniel chapter 10, and just want us to see the power of prayer here just for a, for a second. There's a really interesting chapter here in, in Daniel chapter 10. Okay, very quickly, you heard in the reading, Gabriel turned up in the reading, did he not? Yeah, Gabriel is an, an angel, cool, one of the only, only three angels named in Scripture. Who are the other two, by the way? Michael and 
Satan, yeah, exactly. Okay, so, so Gabriel's, uh, great, so obviously Satan's not the greatest of angels, he's the worst of angels. Michael and Gabriel uh, are, the, are the two good angels that are, are named. So special kind of guy, and he, is, he appears here in chapter 10 again. Uh, in fact, it's inferred that it's, it's Gabriel because it's an angel, and, and Gabriel's been turning up a couple of times in Daniel, so we assume it's Gabriel. It's an angel anyway. I want us to see just something really quickly. Have a look at at chapter 2, sorry, chapter 10, verse 2. In those days, so this is a few years after chapter 9, in those days I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Okay, so here is Daniel. He's fasting, and we know that Daniel was a man of prayer. That got him trouble in trouble in chapter 6 in the Daniel in the lion's den. So here he is. He was mourning, and, uh, and he was praying and fasting for three weeks. In fact, we, uh, it tells us a little bit further down that he was actually praying. He was speaking words. All right, first point. He was praying and fasting for three weeks. Then, uh, just for the sake of time, the, you, you can flick your eyes down and you can see that a, a, a man comes in a vision to, to see him. And then we're going to pick it up again in verse, in verse 8. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound, this is Daniel talking, then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. So this is Gabriel speaking here. O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, here we go, fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. Okay, so he was praying. Your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Now, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which every commentator that looks at Daniel has pretty much an agreement that that is the devil, okay? The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days... But Michael, one of the chief princes, and Michael, one of the other angels, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. Okay, probably the kings of Persia re- re- representing a, a, a multitude of demons. Okay, so how long, up in verse 3, how long was Daniel praying and fasting? Three weeks. Down in verse 13, how long did the king, the, the, was Gabriel and the king of Persia kind of fighting at it? 21 days, which is three weeks, right? Okay, really, really, just one of these little passages in the Bible that just, just, that just folds back behind what we see a little bit and just gives a little bit of a glimpse to what's going on. Here's what's going on. Daniel was praying for three weeks, and Gabriel and the devil were fighting for three weeks. Can you, see, can you just kind of get a look? It's going to sound a little strange, but here, here we go. When we pray... Angels get to fighting. Yeah, that's what we're seeing here in, the, in, this, in this little passage. Now we don't want to get too weird about this. <laughs> we don't want to push it too far. But as we, st- as Daniel started praying, Gabriel and then Michael came to jo- join him, started fighting with the with the devil and his demons. Yeah. Now this this is, feels a little strange. It feels a little 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 weird. But but here we go. 
the, we, we understand that one of the agents, one of the primary ways that God works in this world, he works through humans, he works through us, but what other medium does he work, work through? Angels. Those are, his, those are his agents here on earth. We know that God often chooses not to act until we pray. Yeah? So it makes sense that when we start to pray, angels get into gear and do what they, whatever it is they do. And it seems like they are doing something active, really active in the spiritual realm there. Again, we don't want to make anything more of that than what we can, what we can see just here on the page of Scripture. But I do want to just uh, suggest to you, just for the sake of time, we don't, you can have a look later if you like, 2 Kings 19, Hezekiah is surrounded by an enemy, he's surrounded by the Assyrians, and he prays. He prays and he asks God to deliver them from the Assyrians. One angel comes along at that night and slaughters 185,000 soldiers of the enemy. Yeah? One angel, 185,000 soldiers that he, get, that he gets rid of. There is the power of, the, of, of angels. Yeah? Now, if, if when we pray and that sort of power comes into action, here's the point. How dumb are we when we don't pray? Yeah? Just how utterly foolish are we when we don't pray? Now, to be fair, it's been a little while since I've required 185,000 of my enemies to be, you know, wiped out. But you get the point, yeah? If that sort of, if that sort of thing is going on and that sort of power is available when we pray, why are we trying to do this thing, this life on our own? Why would we not spend far more time praying? We know that our battle is not against flesh and blood, yeah? Ephesians 6, verses 12, or verse 12 and verse 18 tells us exactly that. Our battle is against the, the powers and the principalities of the air. So why would we not get going and pray so that the angels would do that, that exact work? All right, we're going to jump back here. Jump back into Daniel chapter 9 because we're getting close to being out of time. So the purpose of prayer for the glory of God, to conform our will. We want to get our will conformed to God's will. And we need to rely on that amazing power that's available to us when we pray. All right, the outcome of prayer, I just want us to, to, uh, just to, to realize what uh, finishes up here. You'll notice, did you notice when the, the guys were reading up here and then Levi started reading? And, uh, and he gave us an, a really, uh, he, was, he was being the angel Gabriel, by the way. And, uh, and he gave us a, a pretty cryptic answer to Daniel's prayer. If, you're, if you've read through, if, if you've tracked with it, you probably would have potentially got pretty confused. So, just want us to, to have a look here at, uh, at and it's found in Daniel chapter, tw- uh, chapter 9, verses 20 to 27. We're not going to read all of it, but here's, here's a synopsis. G- uh, Gabriel says that uh, that when you started praying, and by the way, um, at verse 23, at the beginning of your pleas for, for mercy, a word went out. Another, another time we see when uh, Daniel started praying and Gabriel and the, and started getting involved, getting, ha- getting happening. And I have come to tell it to you. I've come to tell you the, the answer. And then it says this stuff, if you've, you've probably got in your Bible perhaps a heading saying something about the 70 weeks. There's a whole lot of theologians debate about how the 70, 70 weeks are put together. But here's a, here's, a, here's a synopsis. There is a, a large agreement or, or uh, almost a universal agreement that this 70 weeks is talking about 
or partially talking about when Jesus is to come. In fact, there's a guy by the name of Chuck Misler. And, uh, and, he, and he had a look at these verses. Have a look in uh, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build, and build Jerusalem to the coming of the anointed one. Okay, a prince, there shall be uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks. So 70, uh, 69 weeks, all right? Chuck Misler did a bit of math and he worked out from the best known date of the word going out from Cyrus to go and restore and build, the, build Jerusalem, there is uh, 69, uh, 69 weeks, which would, be, which would be 69 groups of seven years, which is, if you do the math yourself, you can, 173,888 days, okay, from when Cyrus said, go and build Jerusalem. 173,888 days comes to the best known date for Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, yeah, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty amazing. The answer to Daniel's prayer to save Israel was Jesus riding into Jerusalem. If Chuck Mizzler's got his, got his timings right. The answer to Daniel's prayer was Jesus. And I think that's instructive for us. Gabriel's answer to Daniel was Jesus. When we pray, how is God going to answer to us? When we pray for, for his help to get through a situation, how does he answer us? Does he not give us more of his spirit? Does he not give us or, or, or a greater filling of his spirit? Does he not make us more like Jesus in order to navigate through those situations? Does he not, does he, when, we, when we ask God to, to engage, for us to help, uh, for, for his help to engage in evangelism, doesn't he work through us via his word and by his spirit to make us speak the very words of Jesus in evangelism? As we pray, God also answers us with Jesus. When we want comfort and trouble, he gives us more of Christ. When we need material things, he makes us more like Christ. If we ask him to be glorified in our life, he makes us more like Christ. So I want to ask, ask you, where is your prayer focused? Is your prayer focused around selfish desires? Is your prayer focused around the things just, just for, for yourself? Or is your prayer like Daniel's for the glory of God to make, make much of Christ in his church, make Christ in, and make much more of Christ in your life and to propel you to become more like Jesus every day. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this chapter. We give you thanks that uh, it instructs us. We, thanks, we give you thanks that it is a wonderful example to us. Uh, we pray that as, uh, as we, as a group of people who desire to follow you, as we uh, engage more and more in prayer, I pray that our, our heart's desire would be for, for you. Our heart's desire would be for your glory. I pray that we would uh, realize the incredible, wonderful, sustaining power of prayer. I, pr I, I pray that we would realize that, that as we uh, engage in prayer, that, that forces that we don't really understand, the uh, forces that only you understand, are engaging uh, to get the work done that you want done. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood, 
that our battle is against the spiritual powers of this world. And so, Lord, we have no other option but to pray. We have no other option but to engage in prayer for you to be doing that work that you alone can do. Lord, I pray that you would help us and, and, and give us a wonderful, rich prayer life. Uh, a, a prayer life that really connects us to you, to conforms our will to your will. I pray that you would just, uh, yeah, just, just allow us, um, even in the busyness of, of our day, just to carve out some time and carve out time to be alone with you and to, uh, to speak to you and, to, uh, and just to continually come to you in, in prayer and petition and to praise and thanksgiving and intercession and praying through scripture and all these things. So we just ask for, for these things and we, we pray in the amazing and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks. Stuart is going to lead us into communion. Something Brad said there, uh, I might have to correct a little because he said that we're relaxed while we're here. And I can assure you that not all of us are. <laughs> anyway, um, Daniel. Daniel was a man who 